go. All right. So we are uh, on the air with the one and only Patrick Alex. Um, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure, Nathan. Uh, pleasure being on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, it's a great honor. Um, just briefly about myself. Uh, I've been working at Endeavor Chile for the last two years. Uh, I'm originally German, actually, but I uh, have been living in Latam for the last four years. Uh, first, I worked at a uh, Mount Danaska, which is an early stage VC. That's how I en ended up in Latam, actually. And then I made my way over to Endeavor. And uh, now I'm uh, in charge of um, all our access to capital initiatives and uh, also food tech and fintech. And yeah, it, it has been a fun ride, to be honest. Um, also of how I was introduced to Endeavor and, and uh, possibly we're gonna dive deeper into that. But um, yeah, for me as, as a German having lived now for quite some time in Latam. It has been a great experience getting to know the ecosystem in Latam, the potential of entrepreneurship and technology to really um, incentivize and, and catapult that growth uh, we, are, we are now seeing in all our double markets, really. All right, so let's dive right into that. How did a German end up being head of access to capital in Chile? Yeah, it's quite a funny story. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in Germany, just really, really standard, went to uni there, business school in southern Germany. Um, not much exposure to entrepreneurship per se, to be honest. Um, did my, my internships in, in, in consulting, spent some time in New Zealand working at Lufthansa there. And then I did my master's in the UK and uh, afterwards I felt like I wanted to do something different before doing these traditional careers, going into consulting or banking in Germany or, or Europe in general, I found that relatively boring. And uh, so I, I thought, how about diving into entrepreneurship? And my way of finding entrepreneurship was uh, through venture capital in that sense that I was uh, interning at a VC firm in Switzerland for six months and that firm, was quite international from the get-go. So they had company building activities in Asia, in Middle East and in Latam uh, through the, the NASCA fund. And uh, that's how I got exposed to entrepreneurship really. And uh, that's how I got exposed to emerging markets. Uh, and um, I thought probably I'm gonna end up in Asia because they had more exposure in, in, in Asia in general, but um, there was an opportunity came up to join the Chilean team and uh, uh, really get exposed to portfolio management, investor relations on the ground, which was also quite a switch. You can imagine uh, having lived in Switzerland for six months, uh, really quiet, like Zurich, all very beautiful. But also, <laughs> again, I felt quite boring. So I wanted to really be in the midst of it, you know, in an emerging ecosystem, uh, being with the entrepreneurs in person, because obviously the portfolio of Mountain Partners is not in Switzerland, it's all abroad. Yeah. So to yeah. me, it was just great to take the jump into, into Chile and uh, getting to know Latam, uh, getting my Spanish on a fluent level and working with entrepreneurs. And that's how I got introduced to, to Endeavor because fortunately Endeavor is not that well known in Germany, not yet, uh, it was gonna change. So uh, that, that for me was just amazing to see that an organization exists that really was always something I, I, I was looking for. Yeah? And I didn't know that an organization such as Endeavor really exists, you know, using the positive forces of business, but having that universal view and perspective of how can we create wealth 
for uh, economies in general yeah, and how to create jobs. And um, that really inspired me. And, and I mean, the Endeavor Network in Chile uh, goes quite quite some time back. So uh, by working at the fund, which was launched by a former Endeavor MD of Chile, a couple of Endeavor entrepreneurs. So that's how I got really introduced to Endeavor. And uh, then the, the switch was really quite, uh, quite natural, to be honest. All right, so then a couple of questions. Um that I had not planned, but now I'm curious. Sure. One, did you speak any Spanish when, when you came to Chile? Or was it like, all right, I'll uh, learn this on the fly? Yeah. Yeah. So I had five years of Spanish at high school and then uh, two years at uni. So I had quite some knowledge of Spanish, but uh, one has to differ. And the ones that, that have been to Chile, it's not the Spanish you learn at school. It's not the Spanish you, you speak in Spain. So the first two months, I really struggled understanding people because um, they've, they've got their, their unique accent, you know, and, and uh, really special expressions. So um, it was really just learning on the go. And uh, if you really get exposed to the environment, and I'm, I was always a bit of an autodidact in that sense, and, and, and getting exposed, you know, to new languages was always something that fascinates me. So it wasn't that tough for me. But of course, there was a period where I was in meetings and didn't really know what was going on, to be honest. Just smile and nod. Smile and nod. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's actually uh, how I met my girlfriend in, in, in Chile that, that, that uh, they used to talk, you know, about me uh, with, with her friends, you know, and I was standing next to them and I didn't understand a word, you know, <laughs> and, and she was telling that to me like a couple of months later. And I was, how, how unfair, you know, but, but yeah, that's just part of it, I suppose. Well, so the, the, the other question that, um, I'm curious about based off of your background, it sounds like you were at almost the equivalent of like a global office or a pseudo HQ office. And then you went to what's actually happening on the ground and the reality. What were some of the surprises um, when you all of a sudden got on the ground? Was it basically what you had expected from an organizational perspective? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And uh, obviously, I, I think one has to to differentiate in that sense, right? Because there were some things where I was positively surprised. I thought, for instance, people were way less punctual than they were actually were. And there's certain stereotypes uh, concerning Latin America, especially in Europe, um, on violence <laughs> and level of development, you know, especially in, 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 in Germany, I'd say uh, LATAM has been quite unappreciated in terms of the opportunities that are there. So I was actually positively surprised by the energy, by the dynamics of the entrepreneurial ecosystem, by really also, you know, that that resilience of the entrepreneurs, you know, and in Chile is more stable than other markets. But if you're an entrepreneur in Argentina or in Brazil or other markets where there's higher volatility, I'm always amazed how you do that, you know, and they have way less funding uh, than in Europe and other places. And they get so much stuff done. And um, they are really solving problems, not just of the 10%, but of, of the 90% of the population. Yep. So you really see the, the impact of it. And that's what I enjoyed, you know, and meeting with entrepreneurs, doing brainstorming sessions and, and uh, being on, on, on boards, listening in and, and, and really seeing what was going on. So, so to me, um, yeah, it was just full of energy and what still drives me today. And uh, also Santiago, uh, where, where I'm based, 
is a global city in that sense that it's quite international. You have, it can have a good standard of living and obviously certainly you're in, in some kind of a bubble. But um, I'm using Rappi every day. I've got my e-scooter, you know. My life here probably is more techy, I'd say, than in my small town in Germany, yeah, 100%. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And then were there any, not negative surprises, but um, beyond the like, beyond what you just mentioned? Yes, Um, certainly there's a couple of things, right? Um, One of the general criticisms of of LATAM in particular, one could say is obviously social mobility and inequality, which to me as a European and especially as a, as a German was something that really struck me. Yeah? The level of segregation you have um, in the cities, you know, um, differences of how people express themselves, uh, who they meet with, you know, uh, that it's important what your last name is or it's important where you went to primary school, yeah? not, not uni, where you went to oh. primary school, you know? So you've got really segregated societies and that's also where, where I find entrepreneurship to be a bit of a change maker, you know, to, to, to change these really, um, yeah, permanent structures that are, have been in place since, since colonialism, really, right? So um, that was something I was negatively uh, impressed by. Um, then there's obviously also some kind of reverse racism. There's a huge difference if you're coming into Chile or Latam as a migrant or as a foreigner from Europe versus Venezuela, Haiti, or other places. Mm. Yeah? Um, and that's something which I always found kind of unfair because I enjoyed certain benefits, I'd say by being from Europe yeah? and yeah. Uh, that always made me feel quite quite bad you know um, but but yeah um, generally you know the, the experience has been great the culture the people you know and, and that's why I'm still 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 here you know uh, and also the energy you know you can be Santiago is a five million metropolis and you can have all kinds of cuisines and and every neighborhood is different you know because it's le- less homogeneous yeah and yeah. Job, it's all kind of the same one could say which is great for society as a concept but obviously for me really being quite privileged in that seeing that is just really exciting to be honest now that's awesome um which brings us to your actual day-to-day job and the reason why i reached out to you for this podcast is you have a unique title, which I haven't seen in a lot of markets. Eh, we're used to like ESG manager, market associate, um, head of access to capital for a particular market is not something you typically see. Um, and so I would love the backstory to how you got to your current role. And actually, maybe if you could start by defining what does it mean to be head of access to capital in Chile? And then the story about how you got there. Sure. Um, yeah, as, as you know, at Endeavor, we are always a multi-head and have different roles, right? And that's also how I started. Of course, the, the Chilean team has been growing quite strongly in the, in the last uh, months, I'd say, even during the pandemic. Um, we've now launched our Endeavor research area. And the vision was really comes back to JM, our MD, who was saying we have to install uh, 
several areas which are aligned with uh, the value proposition of Endeavor in terms of servicing entrepreneurs. And there's access to markets, access to talent, and access to capital. Yeah? And then there comes obviously access to research and data. And, and that's what my colleague, uh, Joao Melado, uh, is, is working on. So um, I'd say JM there uh, installed sort of a second level um, in the organization. And um, when I joined Endeavor, I obviously joined ESG and I was primarily working on, on food tech and fintech, but the vision was always that I'm going to switch over and onto primarily ex uh, exclusively working on access to capital. At the moment, I'd say 70% of my time is building access to capital locally for Chile, but also in, in close collaboration with the other offices in, in the region. But then there's 30% uh, left, which I'm still working on uh, selection and growth. Um, um, but generally, what, what is my role about? Um, I'd say there's one component which is internally facing for Endeavor, working with our portfolio, how we can increase our Endeavor uh, investor contacts on the ground, how we can reach out to family offices, uh, how we can support our entrepreneurs to raise capital. And that's where locally and regionally, I think uh, um, these specific roles play an important complement to the global MCP, to uh, the role of Anisha or, or others that are exclusively focusing on access to capital there is that we bring in that local knowledge and also possibly local and regional context. And also I think it's more resource efficient because uh, for global MCPs, there's always an over demand of, uh, of services, of course. And uh, I think it just makes sense to also decentralize some of those services. And then there's the second component, which is more um, ecosystem facing. So uh, Chile, just in our last research we, we published uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, access to capital is one of the major challenges for scale-ups in, in the country uh, in terms of access to growth capital, in terms of uh, the savviness of Chilean venture capitalists, in terms of uh, the tickets that are available. So um, our role at Endeavor always is also to be ecosystem builder, right? And uh, provide new sources of capital and have these Endeavor Investor Network events or Match VC events. We're just organizing one now uh, regionally together with the other offices uh, for mid-May. So there, there's different, I'd say, components of that. and. Uh, um, I'm working quite closely with uh, Endeavor Research uh, on, on our end on, on obviously how can we support the conditions for fundraising in Chile, but also uh, regionally, uh, because obviously um, we see a sort of the gasoline for scale-ups. Uh, uh, and, and if scale-ups are, are the main drivers of uh, growth and employment in, in our markets, which we, we've got all the evidence, we got to make sure that they actually have access to that gas. And there's obviously a um, relationship with, with banks, which are more traditional sources of financing, but we need venture capital also locally and regional to come in and, and, and to support these entrepreneurs in the earlier stages. And so what when you say earlier stages, what check sizes are you focusing on? Yes, I'd say it depends. Um, we've got, for instance, entrepreneurs that, for instance, are not necessarily tech entrepreneurs, which our global MCP is not necessarily made for. So we provide services that are not necessarily um, fully supported by the, by the global MCP at the moment, I'd say. Uh, and that can be rounds of uh, 
for instance, we've just got a, an entrepreneur that is going for a 10 million cap raise, and that has been entirely um, supported from our side, where obviously family offices contacts are playing quite an interesting role. And um, obviously, what we try to do is to cover the range before the global MCP, so tickets below 5 million. One could argue, well, then that's not a scale up if they're raising those lower rounds. But um, I, I think we always have to take in, into account the maturity of the ecosystem. So um, we, we should also look into those, those smaller si sizes uh, just to really get, the, get, get that going also. Um, and, and then it's really, I'd say it's, it's a compliment and, and, and uh, we, we piggyback obviously on, uh, on the great work that uh, Endeavor Globally has, has done of, of launching the MCP. Endeavor Mexico has a local MCP program for quite some time. Um, so, so I generally feel it's, it's really a compliment and it really helps us to have these local contacts also because for instance, when we talk about raising capital for Endeavor Catalyst, um, which Chile is now, I think, the fourth or fifth uh, uh, local affiliate that has raised more most capital for fund three, which is impressive. And if yeah. you go a couple of years back, there was almost there was a little bit of participation from Chilean uh, LPs, but not as much as there could be because if you look at the the size of uh, the family offices and assets under management they have, there's loads of potential, right? So it makes sense that the local office gets involved on this uh, and, and has these relationships and that um, Alan flew down uh, twice and uh, we filled up his agenda and we managed to close really important tickets. So, so that's what I'm saying. It, it's just really, it makes sense yeah, to have that locally. But especially regionally, because obviously major investors look at uh, Latam as a whole region. So we got to have that perspective. And then there's obviously the, the global level uh, for really these top notch later stage financing rounds, one could say, with really those leading international investors. So I try to keep these podcasts to 15 minutes and inevitably yeah. I always go over. So we're going to be going over um, a few minutes, but I... I want to just do a couple of like very quick questions so that we can extract as much knowledge from you about the uh, VC ecosystem in LATAM before we wrap up. So very quickly, one in the States, we've seen that like a seed round could now be multiple millions of dollars. Yeah. Is that also the case in LATAM or is it still, or is it where like the US was, I don't know, five years ago or 10 years ago when like seed round meant much smaller check size yeah yeah great question and i'd say it also depends you have to differentiate between brazil mexico and other markets uh, there's obviously quite some some discrepancies there mexico for instance i think there was a seed round that was uh, close to 30 million uh one point really historically you know and these are these outlier runs right so uh you, you got that um I'd say in Chile, obviously, a seed round is, is usually uh, below 1 million. Uh, um, so, so there's quite a few, I'd say, 15 funds that invest 500K, close to 1 million. And then for the Series A, usually we are moving uh, from 2 to 5 million. And, and then it goes up. But it really depends. And that's also the issue we have, for instance, um, I'd say in general that there's obviously these outlier cases, you know, the, the narcos of the ecosystem system, which we, we are really happy to have on board. Um, but there's such a huge discrepancy to the overall median. Uh, 
um, which is always pronounced uh, in BC, but um, I feel that it's even more intense in these emerging ecosystems. And also the savviness of entrepreneurs, you've got the cassack of the ecosystem, but then you've got maybe more nascent investors that are just getting started. So there's obviously also big knowledge and experience gap naturally. And do you see super angels um, in the ecosystem as well? I mean, it's like hard not to log into Twitter and see people being like, I'm invested in like 35 unicorns and I'm 25. Um, do you see that level of like angel participation? Yeah. Um, usually when they participate, they do it through angel networks or syndicates. Um, so there's quite a few active angel networks in Chile. Uh, where also quite a few family offices get involved uh, just to really play and get some experience of the asset category. Um, but super angels, I'd say there's a few exceptions. But, uh, or if you talk about a solo venture capitalist movement, for instance, I think we're still a bit early for that. Um, but, but yeah, I'd say it's happening um, and, and we're gonna see an accelerated pace in that sense for, for sure. Yeah. All right, this is gonna be the penultimate question, um, which is if, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to uh, VC or uh, access to capital development in Latin? So, you know, is it sophistication of VCs? Is, is it sophistication of entrepreneurs? The one thing that if you had a wand, you could fix in order to unlock the full potential, what would it be? Yeah, that's a tough question. And <laughs> usually, obviously, there's not, not, not one solution. What certainly would help quite a lot, I, I feel, is a diversification of sources of capital and for the GPs that are not only raising with some high net, high net worth individuals and uh, just a few family offices, we need to get more family offices involved. Um, and there's quite many of those in, in LATAM uh, of quite important size. And they're just getting exposed to the, to the asset category. Also pension funds, almost non-existent. In, in the asset category in Mexico, there, there's some movement there and they've regulated, but Chile is quite behind on that. So there's some regulatory aspects that really um, sort of um, affect the maturity and the sizes funds can raise, uh, given that we lack more institutional investors and uh, more sources of financing uh, for the really big tickets. So I'd say probably that's one of the stronger levers uh, we, we should work on uh, because then obviously you've got higher management fees where you can then invest on capacity building where you can have more Kaufman fellows and and others uh, uh, really to get your top-notch talent incentivized to, to stay at the VC really full cycle um, because we know it, it takes 10 years to really see the effects of your decisions so VC is a, is a long game and if you get multi-funds and, and really have a longer breath on that it, it can help. Fantastic. All right. Well, um, given that that was a pretty big question, I think you you managed to come up with a pretty concise and compelling answer. So uh, kudos to you. So now we're going to end this with, of course, my final and favorite question, which is what is the endeavor value that speaks most to you? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I thought a bit about this one. Um, <laughs> because I, I mean, it's... I, I find the values are just so so natural and, and it's really true. We, we, we live them, I think, every day, uh, really a part of our decision making and uh, great guidance. Um, but I'd say paying it, paying it forward 
um, because I think Endeavor is a really a unique platform for entrepreneurs, for mentors, for staff, staff and, and anybody who gets involved uh, to have that platform of paying it forward and uh, really having an, an impact that goes beyond you and your own ecosystem and multiplying that impact. So that's something which I feel is very, very unique to Endeavor. Uh, and, and that mentality of paying it forward is also something we need to install in, in other markets where that concept is not as well known. And it's even difficult to translate it outside English, to be honest. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that is a fantastic way to end this. Uh, thank you so much.